0: Welcome back to Let's Talk About Skills, Baby, the podcast where we discover what skills can help you live your best life. I am your host, Kelly Ryan Bailey, and each week I chat with inspiring visionaries about the skills that make them successful. You'll get a firsthand account of how they develop those skills, as well as their innovative approaches to improving skills-based hiring and learning around the world. Now, let's talk about skills, baby. This week, our guest is Eva Sage-Gabin. Thank you so much for joining us, Eva. Kelly, I am so happy to be here. Thanks. The perfect timing. It really is. So let me just give a quick little introduction to Eva. You're going to have to sit there a moment and bask in the glow that I'm hoping to put on you right now, but I do want to make sure that everyone knows the background. I am so impressed and so excited for this moment. Eva is the Senior Managing Director of Global Talent and Organization Human Potential Practice at Accenture. She leads a global team that is responsible for helping clients harness digital technologies and evolve their workforces to innovate, unlock human potential, and drive transformation. She also plays a pivotal role in shaping the practice's market strategy, including offerings and investments. Eva was recognized by National Association of Corporate Directors in 2020 as one of the most influential leaders in corporate governance for making a significant impact in boardrooms. And she was featured on Silicon's Republic Future of Work Influencers 2020 list as a top 16 influencer to follow. I completely agree with that, I also follow Eva, you all should. Eva has also been honored as a top 100 HR tech influencer by HR executive for shaping the world and future of HR technology. And she is a William B. Grote Award recipient for Lifetime Achievement in Human Resources. Prior to Accenture, Eva served in C-suite roles as a CHRO at Gap, Inc., that's when we met, PepsiCo, Disney, and Sun Microsystems and a senior advisor at Boston Consulting Group, and to G100 companies supporting CEOs, board directors, and CHROs. As the first female member of multiple public technology company boards, Eva served as co-chair of Women Corporate Directors Bay Area chapter. She is also a fellow of the National Academy of Human Resources, faculty and advisor for Santa Clara's University Women Corporate Board Ready Program. And additionally, Eva is executive in residence at Cornell University of Industrial and Labor Relations and guest lecturer at Stanford University's Graduate School of Business. She holds a bachelor's degree in industrial and labor relations from Cornell University. Thank you so much for letting me give you that moment, but I just want to add to this that I met Eva, again, when I mentioned she was at the time the CHRO at GAP. The last time we were together, which we were reminiscing on before we (laughs) jumped in here, was about six or seven years ago. And that sounds like a long time, but I remember this distinctly because there was this fantastic event in Sacramento, California with the California Community Colleges one of the women that we both still know today, who was the chancellor at the time of the California Community Colleges was there. And it was one of those moments, in all honesty, I really looked at these super powerful women. And I looked up to you guys, and I was able to be there and participate in a way. And it was not only were we doing all the things that we loved, but it was that moment that was like, wow, look what I might be able to do in the future because here are some fantastic women that have been able to do these things too. So this is an extra special moment for me.
1: Kelly, I am so thoroughly embarrassed and honored. And thank you for bringing up that point about our time together in Sacramento. What could be better than our topic today on skills and reconnecting with old friends and changing the world together as best we can. I'm very honored and excited to help anyone listening. If anything I've experienced may shorten their pathway or speed their development, that'll be a great outcome from today.
0: I agree. And I think what I would love to do, because you have some fantastic highlights here, but it's sort of the highlight reel. I'd love to jump in because I know how passionate you are about this, but I'd love to be able to share with our listeners. How did you get into this? Tell us about your journey. I'm going to take you up on the highlight reel and just give you the quick highlights and then happy to go in any
1: area. But Kelly, we talked about this is a lifelong passion for me. I was fortunate enough to be inspired by strong role models and saw that skills were access to opportunity. Opportunity was access to being able to contribute and contribute was access to impacting and leading others. So from the very beginning, I'm from a family of educators, had great advice and instruction early on. That helped me find my path to human resources and Cornell, which I'm still connected with today. Probably one big idea that might not be obvious in my background is the importance of diversity of experience. You know, we often talk about lifelong learning, but a lot of our learning does happen from the environments we're exposed to, the challenges we've faced, and the innovation and creativity we've stimulated So you see that I have experience in technology, experience in consumer, Ah. experience in service, honored to be involved with academia all my life, volunteering my time with Skills for America's Future, which is Mm -hmm. a community college connection with actually sponsored by Dr. Jill Biden in the past, still associated with Aspen Institute, Cornell, and other amazing universities.
0: That's fantastic. And the other piece that I would love to talk about a little bit here is just sort of, you know, I know you've been doing this for so long, but every time that we're together or I see something that you post, like I fully know that it is a strong passion for you, not only in helping people as we can see, but how to make change, organizational change. I think we all know that there are areas that hold people back because of technology and process that's in place. And so that's the piece really that I always noticed the thread of the work that you've done was really around how can we move these barriers out of the way and help people be successful.
1: A lot of the work that I've been doing is pathfinding to be able to say through leadership and research, here's what's coming. Yeah. Available to you. And then I have the tremendous backing of Accenture to make that research publicly available so people can pick it up. They can follow it and say, for leaders, we have to think about the whole person yeah, all of their capability, not just technical training and giving them technology. If they can't use it, they're not going to get leverage. It's human plus machine. For individuals, we're often signaling here are the hot skills, there's ways to access them. And then how can you? always be looking ahead to stay resilient, relevant, and employable.
0: So Eva, you mentioned some really fantastic skills in that statement, because I find that there's these sort of foundational layer skills that really make people successful, like resilience, as an example, across any industry that they might work in. What I'm really curious about, especially since you've been involved at HR at the highest of levels, when did you start seeing the talk about skills happen in that Sort of corporate environment in HR? It's an excellent question. And I mentioned my affiliation
1: with Cornell, and I think that they were ahead of the curve in understanding that things that we normally use to think about what's important for candidates, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a classic thing interviewing people for a job. Organizations and institutions like Cornell were looking beyond that. They were looking at what are the core or raw skills an individual has? How do you know? And then how can those skills be visible or demonstrated? As simple as we can say it, if you think of all of us as a collection of our life experiences, our skills, and if we have a way to share those without those being masked or hidden, then we have a chance to put people in jobs that they can excel in. We have, as an HR team and employers, a chance to pick people who are going to soar. And then we have a chance to look at what else does everyone need to go to the next step. I'd say that early on, probably first stage of my career, I became involved in tech really, really early. And this idea of who could learn brand new technology, no one else had seen that was coming right out of the labs was the first HR challenge I faced. Mm -hmm. I was a recruiter for technology. That's where I saw the power of humans, machine, data, data science, analytics emerge. And wow,
0: here we are today with artificial intelligence and never more important. It's so true. Now, you know, because we have sort of this crossover experience with the work with the California community colleges, of course, at the time you were at GAP, but you were working really closely with Aspen Institute HR policy. You mentioned knowing what someone brings to the table in terms of skills from their life experiences, right? And then where the pieces are missing. I really am so curious your thoughts around that partnership with education and how you over the years have handled this concept of, we say, upskilling, reskilling, right? Do you find that to fit better in partnership with higher education versus others? Or is there sort of a multi-pronged approach? Multi-pronged is really good point, and I'd call it even multi-stakeholder. Mm-hmm. Um, so one
1: of the things I loved about when we met in Sacramento is the partnership with American Association of Community Colleges. Mm -hmm. Aspen Institute. And at that time, it was Skills for America's Future. It's now Upskill America. And then you mentioned HRPA. What happened is different coalitions came together under invitation from uh, the public sector. And the idea was, this is actually around 2008, we have massive unemployment, Americans are out of work, our economy is suffering. How can we get people to areas of high demand that require new skills? And that's the problem we were facing. Yep. You know, when we met, the American Association of Community Colleges was meeting with employers who could see the hot skills. Mm-hmm. They could advise on curriculum. And in some cases, they could put instructors into educational networks or mm-hmm. job impractiums or internships mm-hmm. or job shadowing. And that's the part that I was passionate about is when you have people who are hiring and practicing, talking to people who are preparing talent and skill pipelines that can reach out to individuals and make sure they have these, what we call market signals. Mm -hmm. And then if you can add a layer to that of how can someone get into that, those programs, those opportunities, that digital learning, that is the power that all of us forward. And the reason that's that team and that coalition's still in place today, and I'm still actively involved.
0: Completely. They have done some amazing, amazing work. I continue to be so impressed with them, but of course that moment was, I got to be involved with a lot of sort of like public-private partnership groups, but that was really one that stood out to me as hitting all the right points. You mentioned in that comment that the employers that would come to the table in these discussions sort of knew what skills? And actually, I think this question still comes up today because I love that you made the comparison to the 2008. I do it all the time myself. I'm like, the great recession is just a mini, you know, version of what we're going through right now. And this question keeps coming up. How do employers know when things are changing so quickly? And when we even think now this year, right, or last year, I guess the amount of technology that we had to figure out because we all went virtual like that is probably changing jobs just as quickly as they were changing prior to that. You know, how do employers know when it's not going to be the same next year or in the next 5 years? Well, this is this power of what I call signals. So I mentioned
1: uh, the idea of coalitions and partnerships, and many of our innovation labs are made up of academic research. I'm going to use one example. Um, Actually, I'm going to use two, Kelly. I recently just came through a six-week program with MIT. Mm -hmm. It was called a Convergence Forum, and it was MIT's top leaders and professors with, in this case, it was Accenture's top leaders, And we worked on things that don't exist yet. One of the things I worked on was a whole team on Mm human.ai. And we had professors speak to us who were futurists, but also had tremendous experience in navigating some of the past challenges like the last massive economic recession. One I want to do a shout out to is Professor Tom Malone. He's famous for being the father of collective intelligence. Mm -hmm. Turns out we were both in the Silicon Valley uh, in the past in tech. And his new book is Superminds. When you are looking at leaders, whether it's MIT or you're looking at Cornell has a Silicon Valley advisory board. Mm -hmm. I mentioned all the networks and coalitions I'm involved in, women corporate directors. There are many people in advanced positions as board directors. They're looking at ESG. They're looking at the World Economic Forum. They're looking at gender and pay equality. All these things link back to skills. Mm -hmm. And so we work hard at Accenture to be a curator of market signals, Mm -hmm. simply collecting, advising and providing insights and then making those available through thought leadership Mm-hmm. So people can follow those and say, they are signaling this kind of a career path is emerging, these kind of technology skills, these roles that have high pay equity opportunities. And we do that through you know, various analytics research, but mm-hmm. one last point, we practice on ourselves you've got 519,000 people. You
0: can, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: there, there isn't a day, at least a week that I'm not learning a brand new skill either online through a partnership or frankly on the job.
0: Exactly. Because you get to be involved in all of these new things all the time. So I can see how naturally you would just continually pick up new things. Before we jump into what is new and exciting in your world, because there are a lot of fantastic things. The one thing that I, again, thinking of all of these groups, initiatives, coalitions that I'm working with as well, what would you say back to them? And I tend to think of like the, again, the multi-stakeholders, right? You've got some groups that are providing the education, some groups that are providing that learning development. You've got some groups that are the employers that are going to hire people. Maybe there's some regional governments involved, you know, there's all sorts, but how can they make the most of what they're doing, like what are some best practices?
1: Well, one is this idea of connectedness. We have technology that can give us so much information that it can be overwhelming. We talked a bit about innovation and crises and I recently was involved in an initiative to make a, what I call a master connection. Uh, It's called People Plus Work Connect. We host a CHRO forum of uh, chief HR officers, almost 30 plus of them got together last March in the peak of the pandemic, immediately mm-hmm. after it had been announced globally, and we were all in shelter in place. Long story short, four people after that session said, our companies want to do something, we want to do something. Can you serve as a master connector? You Accenture, but uh, it was me, Ellen Shuck, and then CHRO's, uh, Ellen, by the way, is our chief HR officer at Accenture. Oh, wow. But it was Verizon, Lincoln Financial, ServiceNow, and uh, long story short, in 14 days, we developed a technology platform that anybody that had jobs that were going to be available and anyone who had workforces that were being impacted could post that. It was a business, and it is a business-to-business connection. So you could go on and say, I'm company A, and I have jobs in Las Vegas, and company B could say, and I have openings. mm mm-hmm. What's really neat about that is you say, well, you know, isn't that a job matching? Well, it wasn't at an individual level. It was a company, to company level. We keep out personally identifiable info, just keep it very clean, straight and fast. But what was super cool is the connectors who could do interpretation. A job in an industry where you think I can only hire X, I have to have this profile, was up against workforces that were heavily impacted travel, tourism, hospitality, I don't need to tell you, in-store operations. Mm -hmm. We were able to convert skills that might exist in one industry to skills that could live in a new industry and get groups of people connected and ported over. An example of that is a home delivery group has hired
0: 750,000. Oh, I bet. Because right now that's what everyone needs.
1: 750000 So what it did is the old requirements of you must have this degree, you know, right. you must have uh, this badging. A lot of that was put to the side. If you have this skill and, you know, you meet certain requirements, of course, safety first, we'll give you a shot. People mm-hmm. were amazed at the cross-industry movement that happened overnight.
0: So I want to geek out here for a moment because you know that I like know the inside of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> do you do, And I, I the, the questions that come to mind for me when I hear this, I'm like, okay, first of all, like, what were you doing to, you know, and I, I use the term skillify, right? But like, what were you doing to essentially skillify these people and these roles to be able to make that connection? And was there human touch on this too? Or was it solely a technology exchange? It's an excellent point. Uh, The simple answer is it
1: wasn't solely a technology exchange. The human touch is absolutely critical. And I'll just use the simplest example I can, but um, we have really sophisticated ones if you and I want to geek out (laughs) and talk about capabilities, skill pathways. But just using the simplest one on person-to-person advice one of the greatest skills right now is the ability to have a safe, clean environment that there's little risk of infection. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. Of course. Well, think of places that have to be open that are essential. Hospitals, supermarkets, anywhere you know we need to go to get goods and services. Mm-hmm. And then think on the other hand of who is the heaviest impacted in industry. Hospitality certainly would be there. Of course. Food and I had a major hotel chain call me and say, the workers I'm most worried about are our, our housekeeping staff. They are being disproportionately impacted. Yes. And do you have any ideas? And of course, you know, we had a lot of knowledge about what kinds of qualifications went in. But such a simple example, we said, well, have you talked to every one of essential services that require public buildings to be open? Right. They're like, no. So they sent a crew over to a local grocery store. It was a smashing success. The grocery store said, We have never had to sanitize to this level. It is
0: daily. And of course, they know how to do that.
1: Well, and they're certified. I mean, you can Mm -hmm. think of top hospitality firms, they're trained, they're experienced, they know how to use appropriate tools, chemicals, resources. And we, you know, sometimes don't see these essential workers for all their skills. Right. And I picked that example because, you know, I've worked in very high skilled industries and in very accessible skill industries. Mm-hmm. And to see these individuals, many are women, now have real jobs, they have the role throughout the day, right? It isn't grocery store cleaning at night, they're throughout the day, you're seeing that active. It got to a point where they said to the regional hospitality executive, we want to hire them permanently. There's no going back. And their answer was, well, let's do a loan and we'll revisit when things are better. Right. But you're an expert. Think of all the skills that are core. And if just for a minute you thought about Well, anyone with a marketing background could do that in a high growth industry. Exactly. Anybody with a transportation background. I mean, anyone with an HR background could help surge hiring. Mm -hmm. These were the simple, logical pathways we built, but we made the cross-industry intros. And then we use science and technology to go fast and
0: get people to areas of opportunity fast. Yeah. I love that. And sometimes, you know, it's so funny because when you talk to people that know what we know, <laughs> it seems so commonsensical that those two connections would make sense, but to many people, it doesn't. You don't necessarily think of that. My family owns a couple of restaurants and in this, in a bar in New York city, and in this process, you know, we as business owners had to basically put on hold our staff and the conversations were around Do you know that if you've been a waiter or a waitress, that you're a fantastic salesperson, like really fantastic, but it requires this manual touch because again, the majority of organizations don't necessarily hire that way. They're looking for that bachelor's degree or whatever it might be. And they don't think that way. How would you like challenge organizations to, you know, of course you've made this connection, which is fantastic. But in the event that someone like yourself is not there able to, you know, do that, how would you challenge back to organizations to say, actually, you're, you're kind of getting in your own way? Well, you know, we'll go back
1: to our meeting with the American Association of Community Colleges. And this idea, you know, my underlying principle is access to skills, is access to opportunity, which is lifelong resiliency. Mm-hmm. It's really simple. It's not a conceptual thing for me. I've tried to follow it myself and, and open doors for others. So this idea that skills can be acquired from anywhere and that if you open your lens to the people that are doing the work, we work with technologists, and I'll call out one Kelly, Skyhive. Yes. Many times we'll go in and now let's go inside a company. You asked mm-hmm. me about HR and exactly. uh, talk about work we do you know, inside the house, as they say. Someone was saying to us, I have to go digital overnight. I have to suspend my store operations for in-store purchasing, but I've got to get accelerated home delivery. I want curb pickup and I want some limited access. We're all familiar with the basics there. My digital team needs to triple and my store ops team is going to be affected. Is anybody transferable? Because those two worlds often were hired from different pathways with different skills, We were able to go in using partners like Skyhive and actually do technology analysis of what are the raw skills, who has them in your store operations workforce, Mm -hmm. what kind of training would they need, and then how many could be immediately trained and moved over for all the changes to your supply chain, digital operations, and customer service. Wow. You know how much joy it gives you to think about this many people that you would have laid off can soar and learn new skills that you might've overlooked. Mm-hmm. You know, i half my background's consumer and half my background's technology. I didn't ever think the lines would be so critical of uniting those mm-hmm. two, but that has been a huge focus for us, for any retailers for store-based operation, Overnight digital, look at your own workforce, train them quickly, and let's get goods to people's homes and get them the services that they need. And early stage companies like Hive, mm-hmm. who we met through an entrepreneur startup organization called Unreasonable Futures, many women and um, underrepresented minority-owned businesses, that is magic. It is.
0: magic, And you've helped all those people. I mean, in all honesty, if that question wasn't asked, how can we potentially use our current employees to fill these needs? They may have let go all of those people and tried to hire new people. And so it's sort of like so personally fulfilling <laughs> at the same time, I'm sure. <laughs> and the other thing many of these startups look at is, are we looking at talent pools that are
1: expansive? You and I have had the age-old debate of technologists, women, racial diversity, and you know the phrase that I can't find anyone... We've been able to use technology to look at a workforce and say, here are talent pools that are available. And there might need to be an investment in training, but compared to any other source, you have people that know your culture, mm-hmm. they're lifelong learners, they're high performers in their current role, and they have all the baseline skills that with training, they have better than a 70% chance of success. Great. Right. And then you have the
0: math and the analytics to show it. And by the way, may not have a four-year degree and it's okay. It's so true. I feel like the degree gets in the way for so many roles. It's one of those areas for me that I 100% appreciate higher education. And, you know, I'm definitely always suggest that when people have the time and space, but when it's something that you're not able to advance because you're holding out for this sort of like perfect picture I feel like that gets in the way, you know, when you think about how someone moves from one place to the next and that sort of learning or education in the middle, again, I I think of like best practices here, because this is the question that comes up all the time when you have an engagement, like the one you just described and you know, okay, we need these people to have these skills to move over here. What kind of resources are you looking at? We've talked a little bit about higher education, but I know there's other alternatives as well. It's a fantastic point. One of the ecosystem
1: components we haven't spent a lot of time on is the incredible surge and those that are available at an individual level. There's early stage companies in the space, but there's famous ones like Coursera or AgCast or others. Many are also opening up to individuals during this difficult time where they may be furloughed. They may have some economic bridge, and they can do a six-week program and get a certification. Those are amazing opportunities. And again, you know, I I talked about I'm living this. My daughter's at a technology company in M&A, and uh, her travel went from daily to suspended and virtual. What a great time to look at options. She found out there was a fast-track available uh, program for an executive MBA. It could be around her schedule, and she's enrolled and passed her first semester. That's an example of someone who does have a four-year degree, but I coach students a lot, and I do a lot of mentoring, and often it is a working mom, could be a single-parent family, they're homeschooling. They have a lot of challenges going on, but we know they have all these raw skills, maybe from restaurant service, maybe from working in retail. And with credentials, some online education, that now is a visible badge that they've been certified in X or Y. Right. And maybe they were able to get that done over a multi week period around their very challenging schedule. The next step is making that badging or that signal visible that I do have this certification. I do have this years of experience and I've had this community experience. That prepares me. You use sales, right? You mm-hmm. customer service. And so, almost, I work with people to re profile how their social media footprint shows up, yes. how their LinkedIn shows up, yep. and what keywords will recruiters pick up so you can get in the stream to be visible.
0: It's so true. I share this quick snippet, but in our field, I only have a bachelor's degree myself. And, and there were times where I had considered additional formal education and and moving up to the masters, but my children were young, you know, there were things life was in the way and that just never happened, but it didn't stop me (laughs) from learning new things. It's just not something that is there in a diploma and, you know, available there. But I, I do, I think if we understand how to communicate it, that's really the most important thing, whether or not there's a piece of paper to say you have this.
1: Well, and part of the wonderful thing about artificial intelligence um, and the ability to analyze is you can see signals of these skills experiences that can be converted into leadership and what you and I would call kind of a core skill baseline. The other thing is if we want to just geek out for one second, many things that are considered mandatory technical skills are easily verifiable. Mm -hmm. But the skills that are on really high demand are the question you asked a minute ago, their insights. And so we did a very extensive research project with Aspen Institute a few years ago, and we looked at what are the emerging skills for the leader of today and tomorrow or Mm -hmm. the employee. These social skills on innovation, creativity, judgment, problem solving, those are the ones that are breaking through right now. Mm -hmm. And with groups like our partnership with Skyhive, we've also looked at what we call early adopters. Okay. We've got certain certifications that you wouldn't have thought. Wow, you know, you can get workday certified because if you have this background, it's immediately transferable. On my team, I'm really proud, Kelly. I, you know, we're technologists and consultants. We are um, more than 50% gender diverse. We've had That's no cool. issue finding trained individuals with technology. And when we have had challenges, we have gone out and said, we're going to hire you based on potential and immediately put you into training to get you those certifications.
0: You really like live and breathe this internally and then help others do that with their internal processes, which I just love again, that, that passion point. That work that you did with Aspen, I'm pretty sure that I read that report. But for our listeners, I just forget the name of the report. Do you recall it by any chance? Yes, it's
1: called middle skills is a simple phrase. And what I can do, Kelly, is there's a couple I've been thinking about, and I haven't called them out. But that's one that we actually get to present at a conference at Ross School at Michigan. So that back to that coalition idea and so we can get that for you. The other one that I've been sort of signaling is um, one we just released called Care to Do Better. Mm-hmm. And it's about modern HR and the idea that you have to look at a whole person, not just employability or financial, but you want to look at relational, their wellness, their physical safety. And also people want to be with orgs that are more purpose-driven. Mm-hmm. You know, when everything's at stake, you want to feel you're living a life that matches with what you're passionate about. To the extent that you have economic safety, then you want to really be aligned. Not everyone has economic safety. No. So you want to minimize right. that. It has to be job number one. I must have enough income to, to be safe and have my family have food and a, mm-hmm. and a roof. But the minute that those basic needs are met, people are saying, am I proud of what I'm doing? Exactly. You know, am I aligned with organizations that stand for you know what I value? And so we often do work to think about, are we thinking enough about the whole person or are we just staying with employability and financial? Important, but really winning organizations are looking at a whole human being, all their needs, including mental wellness.
0: I love that you bring that up. And it was sort of perfect timing because I was actually thinking it when you described the Aspen report, because the thing is, and I think all of us in this space, we kind of knew that that was happening, sort of this undercurrent, but with COVID, it's all just front and center for us now. I mean, we spend the majority of our time in our work (laughs) and if we're, if we don't love it, right? I mean, yes, of course, one's basic needs are met, but if you don't love it, that's a lot for you to deal with from a mental perspective when we talk about that full person and wellness, if you just don't have that that strong feeling and passion towards what you do. But I think this to me, I get super excited about it because that's sort of the purpose that I, the reason why behind why I started this podcast, because that's what I was seeing. I was like, we were from a technology and data perspective, helping people, creating the pathways, giving them the stepping stones, like we can show you everything that you need to do. But at the end of the day, if they're not having the right feelings, and that's why you go back to those skills, like the innovation, the creativity, but what about, do you guys in that second report that you mentioned, do you guys really touch on, you know, I say life skills, some people might say growth mindset, but these are super foundational skills when we talk about just like life and professional success.
1: Absolutely. And I I mentioned that, you know, I'm so honored to be part of these partnerships and ecosystems trying to do things that haven't yet been done at scale, Mm -hmm. to make them available, so we can all move forward. And in this mental wellness, there's a lot of things emerging, because this crisis has just had such a toll. I mean, we just passed, you know, 400,000 lost souls. And, you know, I think we both are going to get emotional. There isn't a family I know that hasn't been touched by this pandemic, including my own extended family. And it's just heartbreaking. It's day by day and the effects can be long lasting if Mm one makes it to the other side. So the mental fortitude and resilience required to support a family member that might be facing COVID another family member who's been laid off as a result, and, and another family member or the same family member who has three young children at home with no childcare, no schooling. It's as tough as it's ever been in my you know, multi-decade career. So we have formed a lot of strategic partnerships. And yesterday I had the honor to be with Ariana Huffington and her work at Thrive Global. There is so much there available. She is part of her contribution has put out at no cost a uh, first responder toolkit to be able to help those essential workers who have to be there to support others. But within that, we at Accenture have developed and uh, participated in a program called Thriving Minds. Yes. It's online, Kelly. We made it available to our 500 plus employees and immediately uh, 130,000 people uh, engaged in it. And a lot of the things in there are things you and I know, but it's
0: logical. You can put them into your daily life, things like micro steps. Yeah. In the world of work, right? We talk about these habits, everyday habits. When you're looking at someone who you're like, wow, I want to be that person. They always talk about those daily habits that keep them in a progression, in a growth stage. That's exactly what the micro practices, like all of that. I think it's, it has to be part of the everyday. So, you know, back
1: to anyone who's listening, there's so many things out there and you can say I'm overwhelmed, but the idea that let's just focus on one or two, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, we've been helping HR and uh, CEO uh, and CXO executives, just really basic, you know, there's key things people need, right? Employability, financial to meet their basic needs and need safe, whatever, if, if it's home, safe connectivity, if it's essential worker, they do need relational, mm-hmm. who am I working with? How get this yes. done? And training leaders on how to be good virtual leaders is a brand new skill for many people. They need mental wellness, you know, many mm-hmm. when they log on have already been through five or six hours of family care, could be medical attention, could be exactly. um, meals for their children. I mean, you and I, you know, live in the <laughs> real world and know how hard that can be. And then the final And the most important is um, this purpose-driven. I love it.
0: Now, is this available? So you mentioned that it's available to Accenture employees. Is this available to the public as well? Well, Thriving Minds in particular is something that we have internally for Accenture. Okay. But
1: if anyone listening wants to go on to Thrive Global website, Ariana Huffington is the founder yeah. and CEO. There are tools and resources available at no cost. And I talked about the First Responder Program. Right. Um, and then there are others that we're encouraging people to mention to their companies. And you know, we're happy to make the connection. There are other resources as well. You know, This is where we're saying to employers... You may not have the financial resources to put everything out, but there's community resources. These coalitions are leaning in and making some of the funds that are beginning to flow available. Mm-hmm. I'm doing some work with Harvard oh, on hidden workers, uh-huh. uh, and we did put out a blog um, on Christmas Eve on December 24th about types of hidden workers, veterans, you know, those who have had bonkers, employment, etc., and different ways to think about giving people access and helping them get back on their feet. People Plus Work Connect is free. I should have mentioned that.
0: Oh, good. You know what? I'm glad you did because I, I wasn't sure if it was just that small, you know, the group of employers that you mentioned, or it could be any No, it's fabulous. Free.
1: And if you have jobs to offer or you have workforce impacted, just go on Accenture.com. It's People Plus Work Connect. There is no charge.
0: Just to clarify, is it only organizations that are looking yes. to make an exchange or individuals?
1: It is not individual. Okay. It's okay. employer to employer. And okay. we had to think of a way we could do it without personally identifiable of info. Course. So we're putting employers together through that, through that network. That's we fantastic. have had people log on though, and see it and go to their employer and ask their employer that's to sign that. up and they
0: have. Oh, that's great. That's fabulous. Because I think that's the thing is I think just to to go in and try that out. These are so many wonderful resources, Eva. Like I just, I'm excited about all the things we just talked about. And I will make sure for our listeners that when this is all published, that this will all be shared. We'll make sure everyone has the links and everything. I know it's hard to always remember when we're listening, but these are some fantastic pieces, especially at this moment in time. And, and I think like you mentioned earlier, you know, 2021, it's like sort of one of those years, right? Where from a transformational change perspective, we're just seeing a lot of hope and possibility and a move forward. And I think if we can consider this like a collaboration with, you know, everyone out there, right? Because we all want To see everyone be successful. There's a lot, a great deal that is helpful. And just these are just a few of these resources. (laughs) Well, and, and you know, maybe that kind of brings us to a final
1: point about why you and I have really lived our life with skills. Many times I've been that one person that got a chance because I was able to show that I had a skill or position in a certain way, you know, the first women on multiple public technology boards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a uh, first woman in technology in uh, systems account services and sales many decades ago. And that idea of rethinking, you know, I have these core skills, I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to, you know, buckle down and show I can hit certain milestones, give it a shot. That open-mindedness is so powerful. And I see it in so many places. Um, in technology, my friend, Fran Kitsutis at Cisco, was looking to open her talent pool to find more women in technology. So she started moving beyond computer science degrees to people with economics degrees Mm -hmm. and that had certain core financial and and mathematical baseline skills. As a result, those pathways were opened, and uh, and my daughter happened to be an individual who uh, has an econ degree and a really strong financial and technical background. These are incredible opportunities to be able to say, Who am I? So if you're listening, who am I? What are my towering strengths? What skills are transportable across industry? Can I make them visible, all of my uh, digital platform and profiles? And then can I take advantage of some of these free services to be able to connect, find a pathway, apply, and get considered? I would say that we're seeing tremendous openness, particularly in inclusion and diversity at a level I haven't seen in a long time, take advantage of it, make it a top priority so that you can get that resiliency, you can get paid everything that you work, you can reach out to mentors and, and follow their pathways. And a year from now, we can be looking at each other and saying, wow, did we learn a lot from the greatest crisis the world has ever faced.
0: It's so true. And I think just to add to that, comment for people as they're listening, you know, just because you're struggling right now, and we all are, we're collectively struggling. So don't think that you're alone by any means, but these challenging moments, you're learning so much going back to those skills that you mentioned. And I say resilience being like such an important piece to this, you are honing these skills in in a way that can only happen through having these experiences. And so maybe think of that, you know, positive light of that. This is a learning experience, but, and so many things in life are.
1: One last point. I know uh, you always ask me when we're chatting, is there one more thing I'd love to mention? Yes, please. I'm now zeroing in on a phenomenon we're seeing, which is women leaving the workplace at a significant ratio. Yesterday, I saw a data point. I haven't double checked it. So it's anecdotal that women's participation in the workforce has slipped to 1988 levels. I was in the workforce in 1988. We must address and reverse this. That incredible skill capability and talent pool is extraordinary. So as our kids get back to school, as we have care opening up with the vaccine arriving, I'm asking everyone to see how quickly we can welcome people back. Combining that with, there might have to be a little bit of skill pathway work done, pay equity. We cannot have that talent drain and be successful as a society for our communities and for those individuals. So my heart breaks for everyone who has had to make that difficult choice. It's, it's tragic. And so I do want to put a special call out for those of us who will be opening doors to roles and getting people back to work. Let's not... Eliminate anyone because they had a break. Yes. Let's not discount the skills they learned while they were managing these really complex situations, and let's invest and bring them back. Get a refresher. Get them into great jobs. And let's leave 1988 in the past and make 2021 the year of inclusion, employability, resiliency, health, and and a return to, you know, really a, a people
0: planet prosperity that exactly. we can do it. We can do it fast exactly I am so glad that you left us with that parting thought because of course top of mind right now Eva for anyone that is also interested in tackling that challenge please reach out because there's a number of organizations I know that I'm involved in that help women through this process getting back to work it also sounds like accenture may be a wonderful partner in this work and and Eva if you know of any other groups that are sort of assisting with this or people that might have an opportunity to get involved let us know but please reach out because I agree this is it's prevalent and we can come together on this.
1: Well I knew it was a personal passion. I wanted to make sure we didn't leave without that. And and again, this is about talent pools with incredible experience that deserve the right to bring all their gifts to the workplace and be in purpose driven organizations. So um you know I'm working as fast and as hard as we can to open those pathways and, and make those introductions. And we'll make sure that anything we covered today from the yes. care to be better research to global website to the middle skills work we did with our incredible partners, Aspen Institute and Upskill America
0: yes. are all available and try to help get us going again. Exactly. Eva, thank you so much. I mean, I am just personally so happy about this. I hope everyone that's listening has enjoyed it just as much as I have. It has truly been an honor as it has been for many, many years. So if anyone is interested in, again, Eva is a wonderful influencer in this space. I highly suggest finding her on LinkedIn or Twitter and following her. Of course, there's a ton of information that also comes out at Accenture.com and they are on every social platform. We are so thankful that you have the passion that you're in this Eva and taking charge so thank you well thank you without you
1: sponsoring and bringing us all together we might not have a chance to reach the wonderful audience that follows you hang in there everybody we're going to get through this and we will be stronger for it and 10 years from now uh, someone will be talking about what we learned from the great pandemic of 2020 and beyond so true
0: You've been listening to Let's Talk About Skills, Baby, a Growth Network podcast production. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your community. Ratings, reviews, and suggestions are great sources of feedback and always appreciated. And please reach out and connect with me on social at Kelly Ryan Bailey. I'd love to meet you and continue the conversation. We'll be back next week with a new episode. So until then, keep growing your skills and have a great day.